Oh, my goodness. Now do you understand where the name Heritage came from? There, sh there should be some amens on the back end of that. Let me say that one more time. Now do you know where the name Heritage came from? How many of you guys saw the snow last night? Y'all are weirdos. That's all I got to say. It doesn't snow in Florida. I don't know who told you guys that. Did you guys at Lake Yell see snow? Y'all did not. Y'all just have been meeting too long. Anything looked good. Hux, you and Chrissy stand up. Would you guys give them a round of applause and thank you? I just want to know where you slept last night because I know where all the other adults slept at. He had heat. He had heat? He did. He did. Adult, why don't all the other adults that went on this retreat that were so faithful, would you guys stand? Would you give them a round of applause? <clears throat> Michael just told me he was taking you guys for steak afterwards, so I don't know if he's willing to fulfill that or not. But that's just what he told me. Now, whether or not that's true, I don't know. You know, he's always coming up with Disney tickets and all these other things, so maybe he's got it. I want you guys to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. That's where we're going to be at today. Uh, we're going to be continuing on where we left off last week. If you're a man, and if you've not yet signed up for the men's retreat, you've got till uh, 13 hours. Midnight tonight, it shuts down. Right, Scott? That's right. Tomorrow... We got a list and everything that's got to go out. So if you're a man and uh, you're planning on going to the men's retreat, make sure that you get yourself signed up. Kids, did you have a great time? Yeah. You know, as Meredith and I look back on, on just on student ministry and the years in ministry, camps, retreats, trips were always the best of times because that's where the relationships are built. You know, it's good, to have, it's good to come in a place like this and have fun or go off and have fun, but, you know, the rubber's going to hit the road in the next 24 hours and your faith is going to be put to the test. It is. What you say you believe is going to be put to the test. That's right. And so I don't want you to, it's great, man, to have these times of encouragement, but you know, in your relationship with Jesus isn't a one-time event. It is an ongoing process of saying yes to Jesus day by day. Say amen, students. Because if your parents haven't told you that they're not telling you the truth, because that's what it is day in and day out. Every day when you get out of the bed, you got to say yes to Jesus. That's just the way it is. Okay. It's great to have this exciting time and it's awesome for some decisions that have been made. And we want to celebrate with you, but day in and day out, you'd show me one student that's willing to give their life and commit their life to Christ and living out on campus. And I'll show you a campus that'll be changed for Jesus. You show me a business where a man is willing or a woman is willing to live for Jesus and I'll show you a business that is about to change because God will do some incredible things in that place with people who are committed to Jesus. Amen, students? Amen. It's always good for the parents to go amen. It's good for you guys to go amen for once in a while, right? We're going to start out, and let me tell you a little bit of a story. What was your, no, let me just tell you what my favorite movie was growing up. Wizard of... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's about a, a woman by the name of, a little girl by the name of Dorothy and her dog name. Oh, my goodness. And they were swept away by this big, not a hurricane. We're in Florida. That was out west, okay? They were swept away to the land of 
On their way, they have to find, they, they're on this brick road and it's called the... And on the yellow brick road on the way to the Emerald City to meet the Wizard of Oz, they end up encountering a few people like the scarecrow who was looking for a... The tin man who was looking for a... The lion who was looking for... And you guys are great. I don't have to tell you all the story. Only to get to the Wizard of Oz and for him to say, guys, listen, what you're looking for, I don't have it for you. You already have it. You already have access to it. And what it reminds me of is it reminds me of just our everyday Christian life. How many professing believers do we have that fail to recognize in the daily walk with Jesus that, listen, how many times are we looking for something that have access to something that already we have access to? Man, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. It's not something we, that's just out there. We've got to go find it. If you're a believer and a follower of Jesus, man, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And that Holy Spirit brings that which is dead to life. Dead to life. The Holy Spirit is a confirmation that you're a child of God. There's some people that may be here today or listening to my voice and you're like, well, I don't know if I'm a believer or not. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You know, you know whether you're Christ. See, the, the Bible tells us and Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit confirms us, confirms it in our heart. We know. There's a question. Mm -mm. Maybe you need to go back and check yourself, as a friend of mine would say. But when the Holy Spirit comes to live with inside of us, we are, we're different. There's a transformation that takes place. We're going to be picking up where we left off in Romans chapter 8. I want you guys to make sure you turn there. And while you're doing that, I just want to say this to sort of bring some of you guys up to date to this place. I want you to know, number one, that Romans is a, is a book. It's a letter that Paul had written to a place, to a group of people that he had never met, but he had heard about them. And up until this point, Paul has done an incredible time to outlay some things for us as believers and followers of Christ. Number one, to this point, he's, he's made this statement in, in chapters one through three. Listen, we're all sinners. Look to the person next to you and say, man, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. Yeah. You're a sinner. Some of you are worse than others, but all of us are sinners. There are some people that you probably wish that you were sitting next to right now, right? Some people that you think you, were, you wish you weren't sitting by next to at this moment. But Paul was very clear, all of us are sinners and we all fall short by nature and by choice. And because of our sin, not only are we separated from God, but we deserve God's wrath and his judgment. And then chapters four and five, he talks to us about the fact that even in our sin, God made a way for us to be rescued from that sin by sending his son, Jesus Christ, who willingly would give his life as a sacrifice for our sin. We find in, in John chapter 3, verse 16, that some of you may have it memorized, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that man, listen, whoever believes in him wouldn't have to perish, but you could have eternal life, eternal life. And then in Romans chapter 6, up until this point, Paul has been talking to us about sanctification. That's just a, a big word for being transformed into the likeness of Christ, from going from a, a rebel to a follower of Jesus, that we've been set apart and God's got a specific plan for us. And to this point, he's made a case that sanctification or becoming more like Christ or being changed into the likeness of Christ isn't a result of obedience to the law, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit within our lives. Amen? And you guys are great today. Y'all have a retreat next week too. So, <laughs> first of all, before we before we start, I, I just I, I want to pray for us. 
Because students, what we're going to talk about today isn't just applicable for you. It's applicable for all of us. What Paul had to say 2,000 years is something that every one of us need to hear. And it's so important for us to hear what it means and what it looks like for the Holy Spirit to come inside and reside within us because there's some changes that take place. You're not, just, you're, not just, you're not just being changed, but you're in the process of being changed. And this is an ongoing process throughout the rest of our lives for those of us that are followers of Jesus. And I don't want us to miss that, but there's some important truths that we're going to see in God's Word today. So before we read God's Word, can we pray and can we talk to the Lord? Can we do that today? Jesus, this is what I ask that in our time, Lord, that you would reveal yourself through your Word there's nothing that's, that's uh, special about the, the person that sits in this seat to stand before this group today. But what is special is your word. Your word never returns void. And God, I pray the day that it would be truth that would be spoken, not clever stories or, or, uh, or just, just thoughts. But God, it would be your word that would cut to the innermost parts of our heart. To the person here that's a believer, I pray there's some things that they can hang on to that they can hold on to because they'll become very important in these days ahead. For the person that may be here that may be searching and don't know you, even today, even today, would there be something said within the Word that the Holy Spirit just illuminates and brings it to life and brings us to the place of saying, Jesus, I want to trust you. That's what I'm praying for in our time. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin by reading in Romans chapter 1, or 8, verse 1 there, and you can write this down. There's a newfound freedom, this relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a newfound freedom and relationship to sin. Look at what Paul says in, in, in chapter 8, verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Do you belong to Jesus? If you belong to him, here it is, there is no condemnation. We have not only been made justified, we have been made right with the Lord. And as believers, we have been freed. We have been declared not guilty because of Jesus' death and the price that he paid on Calvary. We are free, and that price has been paid once and for all, no more. And Paul said, look, you're not condemned any longer. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know if you know anything about the, about the language of condemnation, but it's courtroom language. When a crime has been committed, there's an investigation that takes place which lead to, to charges being passed down to a person who's been accused. And if found guilty, that accused person is then condemned and he is punished accordingly. But Paul says in Christ, there is no condemnation. You are free. Amen? Amen. That's great news. That in Christ we have been declared not guilty. We are free. Not just free from the penalty of sin, but also the power of sin. Look at there. Freed from the control of sin in verse 2. And because you belong to him, if you belong to him, here he is, you belong to him. The power of this life-giving spirit that lives within inside of you, it says he's freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Now the law of Moses the Ten Commandments and all the other laws. The laws were good. They were a compass that God gave them. They were his standard of right and wrong. But even though the law was right, there was no might. There was no power in the law in and of itself. But the principle of sin and flesh, there's plenty of power. But there's nothing that's right about it. 
Nothing about our flesh is pleasing to the Lord. However, in the principle of life and the spirit, it's not only right, but there is great might. There is transformation in Jesus Christ. Listen, and it's bigger than a service that you go to. It's bigger than a retreat that you go to. It's bigger than that feeling that you get, but there is a transformation that happens in your life. Things that used to matter, all of a sudden, they don't matter as much anymore. It just don't matter. And things that used to not matter all of a sudden matter an awful lot. There's habits that begin to change. There's language that begins to change. Your priorities begin to change. Your desires begin to change. Adults, listen, our goals begin to change. Our relationship, things change. And it's not just about turning over a new leaf. It's not about being more determined or, or, um, or, or more disciplined, but it's about coming to the place of saying, Jesus, I, I believe. And it's about a dying to self and a pouring out and emptying of ourselves and being filled with the Spirit. And that Spirit frees us from the control of sin. The third thing I want you to write down is no more continuing in sin. We're not free just from the penalty, the power, but there's no more continuing in sin. Look at what Paul says there in verse 3. The law of Moses, talking about the law, was unable to save us. Obedience, we couldn't obey it. It just didn't save us. It was because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his, who? He sent his son. He sent his son in a body like the bodies that we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. See, Jesus, he came in the flesh, but he was perfect in the flesh. He didn't sin. He was God in the flesh. And the scripture goes on to say in verse 4 that he did this so he came and he would give his life just so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied. Who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit, and here's the idea that when Jesus came to earth, his flesh, he was sinless. And eventually Jesus would give his life as a perfect sacrifice that he would become the Lamb of God who would be sacrificed for our sins once and for all. It would be done. It would be over with. But not only that, Jesus paid the penalty for our sins and sin was defeated at the cross. And now we are free from a lifestyle that's dominated by the flesh through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you, if you guys get bored, I want you to, you can flip back over to Romans 7 and just, just, you know, just sort of make this, understand what I'm saying because you can go back to Romans 7 and see it. But in, in chapter 7, what Paul does is he spends all of his time talking about himself. I, me, my, all those personal pronouns. Man, I don't understand why I can't do the things that I want to do. Why don't I do the things that I want to do, but I don't do that. And it's just overing this frustration. I just can't do all those things, but there's a change that happens in chapter 8. And all of a sudden, he doesn't talk about himself. But you know who he talks about? The Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. And that's what's happening. Here's Paul. How many times in our lives do we say, I got it. I can make it happen. I can do it only to be frustrated just like Paul was. To find ourselves in the exact same place that Paul found, found himself. I can handle it. But there's something that happens when we come to the place and we recognize our weaknesses and God's strength. There's something that takes place all of a sudden when we say, Lord, not my power. Not by my abilities, not by my talents, but Lord, by, by, by yours. So there's a freedom, there's a freedom in this relationship from sin, but also there's a new relationship 
to life. There's new priorities. Look at what Paul would write there in verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Lord. There are new priorities, not just in reference to that which is temporary, but also new priorities in reference to that which is to come, the eternal. There's a hunger to know God's word. And because of that, we, we come to understand that God loves us and he's got a purpose and he's got a plan for our lives. Listen, students, man, God's placed you where you are specifically because he has a plan and a purpose for your life. You think you're on a specific team or a cheerleading squad or whatever it may be, and you're there so that you can get the accolades. It is not about that. You have the privilege of being God's representative and his ambassador there wherever he's placed you. In that classroom, do you think it's by chance that God that you may be sitting by that person in that classroom? Adults, do you think that the place that you work, man, that it's just by chance that you're there? Do you think it's by chance that maybe you're out on a football field or a softball field or a soccer field that God hasn't placed you there with a purpose in mind to fulfill? Yet how many times is our relationship with God limited to what takes place on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night? Y'all are quiet. That's true. New priorities. All of a sudden, serving and honoring God becomes important. All of a sudden, we begin to think about, you know, how do I use my time and my talents and my treasures, not just to store up on this earth, but how am I using those things for eternity? for eternal purposes. All of a sudden we begin thinking about what it's like as students on a school campus to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of a sudden as adults we begin to think about when we're out and about what it's like to have conversations with people about Jesus Christ instead of just fishing or hunting or what the next best deal is on social media. We begin to live that way. What happens is all of a sudden we begin to loose, loosen the grip that we have on this world. But how many times does the temporary stuff dominate our time? How often does the temporary stuff dominate our schedules and our, and our attentions? And when we do that, we forego that which is most important and we neglect our relationship with Jesus. So there's not just new priorities. There's also new peace. Look at what he says there in, in verse six. So letting go of your sinful nature, control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and, and what? Peace. You know, it's funny because the last 20, 24 months, you hear, you've heard an awful lot more. You've heard a, a lot more about the word peace, haven't you? You know, students at, at school, you've probably heard the word peace more in the past you know, 18, 20 months and you have ever, you know, kids talking about anxiety and depression and being and wrestling with things. I just want peace. I was in a conversation the other day with a guy on the phone, you know, at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night said, I just need peace in my life. I just need peace. We live for God by his power and his grace. And when we do that, we can experience peace. It was Jesus that would say in John 14, 27, when talking to his disciples, he said, I'm leaving you with a gift. I don't know about you guys, but I like to open a gift. I just don't, somebody gives me a gift and I set it up on the shelf and it sits there. I mean, do we have anybody in here that got a Christmas gift that if you've yet, 
only person in here I know that may do something like that because they have plenty of gifts is Dina Simpson, and she's sitting back there, and she probably got a gift, and she's never had a... I see you back there, Dina. Yeah. I mean, when somebody gives us a gift, we want to open a gift, don't we? We just don't want to sit it up on the shelf, but we want, we want to tear into it to see what's inside of it. And here it is that Jesus says, I'm leaving you a gift. Just don't leave it up on the shelf. Open it up. Experience it. It's yours. Peace of mind and a heart. Isn't that what we're looking for? And Jesus says, listen, I give it to you. I give it to you. And he says, peace of mind and heart and the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled and don't be afraid. Yet how often is all of our attention we have, how often is the attention that we have placed upon the law trying to keep up with the law, wondering if, if we're good enough, do we measure up? And in the midst of that, there's no peace because we can't do it on our own. We don't have the power. Yet when we come to recognize that it's not in our strength, but it's through the power of the Holy Spirit, we recognize the price that Jesus has paid, that we'll never be able to be good enough in our own strength, and we choose to submit and to give our life to Christ. Not only are we forgiven, but the Bible teaches us we can experience God's peace. Would you say that word with me today? Peace. Man, that even sounds restful. I just want to go up here and take a nap. Peace. When we have the peace of God, we can also experience the peace of God in whatever circumstance it may be. See, some of you think peace is being making that team or, 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 or getting that position at, at school. Some of you guys think, some adults think that, listen, peace comes from having so much money in your account, in your 401k. If that's you, you're probably pretty depressed right now, especially over the past couple of weeks. The peace that's temporary is circumstantial. And circumstances are constantly changing. But listen, 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 listen. Jesus never changes. Regardless of how much money's in your bank account, regardless of what team you may find yourself on, Jesus is consistent. And the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, as, as well as forever. The same Jesus that went to the cross this is the same one that promised us that he would never leave us nor forsake us, that he would be with us to the ends of the age. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, this isn't in your notes and we don't have it on the screen, but I love what it says. Listen to these words. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed upon you. You want peace? Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to get your eyes off and all of a sudden you put your eyes on something else and in the midst of that, and, and listen, we have a tendency in our day and time, especially with social media and the way it goes to put our eyes on people. Don't, don't get enamored by those things that glitter in the light. Don't get enamored by those things that glitter in the, in the light. Students, be, be very careful where you place your trust in whom you place your trust. Jesus is there. See, you think Hux is a great guy. He is a great guy. But I'll whoop him, okay? <laughs> but at some point in time, Hux is going to let you down. You know how I know that? Because he's just like I am. He, he puts his pants on every day just like I do. And if you really want a story, ask Chrissy. Chrissy will tell you where his faults and failures are. <laughs> and if you really want the truth, talk to the kids. The kids will tell you everything, right? <laughs> My kids will tell you everything. 
You be careful of where you set your eyes. Set your eyes on Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus alone. There's also a new purpose. Look at what Paul writes in verse 7 and 8. The sinful nature is always hostile to God. Didn't say sometimes. The sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the law of their sinful nature can never please God. I want you to note this right here for a second. We were created by God to have a relationship with him, to please him. In Colossians chapter one, we find the words, for through him, God created everything through Jesus. God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth, he made things that we can see and as well as the things that we can't see. Isn't that something? And he goes on to say, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world, everything was created through him and for him. In our old nature, there's nothing that we can do to please God. It was Jesus himself that would say in John 15, 4, remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, if it's cut off. In other words, if you're, listen, if you're not in Jesus, there is no fruit. He says, you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Now, I, I, where's, where's Coach Colt? I, I, I love Coach Colt. If you have a conversation with Coach Colt, it's not going to take you long to recognize and understand that he loves basketball. Okay? This man lives and breathes basketball. Now, his wife, on the other hand, that's a different story. She lives and breathes Starbucks, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's just the way it is. I know, I see it. I saw it. I know. If, you know, I know a lot of you guys love Miss Jamie. Where's Miss Jamie at? Miss Jamie, there's Miss Jamie. Miss Jamie, if you talk to Miss Jamie long enough, you're going to find out Miss Jamie loves music. You know, that's just the way it is. If you talk to Hux, you're going to find out, man, he just likes a lot of stuff. He loves teenagers, though. I love, listen, I love sports. I love hunting. I love fishing. And I talk about all that stuff all the time. But I would pray at the front and the foremost of my tongue every day of my conversation would be my love for Jesus. What are you known for? What, what, what do you, you know, students, when you're getting ready to go back to school tomorrow, what do your friends know you for? Because of your conversation, because of your, your time and your effort and your finances and your, your passions, what do, you, what do your friends know you for? Do you have a purpose and do you have a passion for Jesus? Do your friends even know that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you even mention Jesus? And I'm talking about going past. I'm not talking about wearing a Christian t-shirt. Man, it's cool to wear a Christian t-shirt. It's, 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 it's cool to wear that little necklace around your neck that's got, got a cross on it. I mean, it's cool to put a little fish on the back of your, on your, back of your car. But what comes out of your mouth? Adults, not just teenagers, what about you? What about us? You know, what is it that, that we're known for? What is it that comes out of our mouth? What is it, what kind, of, what kind of things have captivated our passions? With Jesus, we have a new purpose. A new purpose. I want you to write this down. We all also have not just a, a new relationship with sin, a new freedom from that, a, also a new relationship with life, but also a new relationship with God. Look at Romans 
chapter 8, verse 9 through 13. But you're not controlled by the sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Either you are or you're not. You're not in between. No, there's nobody riding on the fence in here. Either are or you are. All for own. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit, here it is, gives life because you have been made right with God. We have been justified because of Jesus. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus, Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, those who are believers and followers of Christ, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Listen, that battle as a believer continues to wage. The old nature and the new nature, those, man, they are fighting with one another. Those two natures beat within your breast at the same time. And he says, if you live by its dictates, you will die by the sinful nature. But if the power of the Spirit you put to death, the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Make note of this. There's a new spiritual life given to believers. And we live by the spirit that dwells within us. And here's the point that Paul continues to drive home. Listen, in verse 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give you your life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Our life should be characterized by faith and power of the Spirit who dwells within us. Now, let me just say this. After being in student ministry for so long, there are some stupid things that, stupid, that student pastors do, okay? That's just the way it is. Some of you were with me. You've been with me at various times. Student pastors, student ministers do some crazy things sometimes, all right? How many of you do have done some crazy things at some point in time in life? Well, I remember some of those, and I was thinking through, and I thought to myself, some of the crazy things that I like, those high ropes course, I don't like heights, period. Why in the world would I take groups of kids and adults to do high ropes courses? Makes no sense at all. But I remember that time, a pole, they call it a pamper pole. I don't know why they call it a pamper pole, don't ask me that question but it's like a telephone and pole in the middle of no places with some notches in it. And you're supposed to climb to the top of that pamper pole that's about 30 or 40 foot tall. And you're supposed to stand on the top of that pole. Now look, I'm not a small guy. <laughs> I was a little bit smaller back then. And I thought to myself, man, I got to set the pace. Why I thought I have to set the pace, I don't know. So they strapped me all in and I got teenagers hanging on to me. That's not, that's not safe. And so I begins to climb. I feel, like, I feel like Jerry Clower getting ready to tell a story for those of you that are older. I begins to climb up the pole <laughs> to get to the top to think to myself, what am I going to do now? Because I'm supposed to stand on the top of that pole. Listen, guys, I don't know if you know, but listen, big me standing on the top of something that's that big, that's a pretty difficult task. But getting to the top of the pole wasn't all you had to do. Then you had to stand on the top of the pole, act like the karate kid, and then you're supposed to jump off into a cargo net that's about 15 foot away. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world am I going to hold on, hold on to my dignity as well as my man card in the middle of all this? <laughs> that's crazy. 
Some of you are exactly, you're in that same place. Man, God's calling you out to do something. He's calling you into something specific and you're terrified. And you say, I can't do it. There's no way I can do that. And you're right, you can't do that. You can't do it without Jesus. For students that may be living out your faith on campus and you say, but I can't do that. People may make fun of me. No, you can't, but Christ in you can. For those of you at work, you're saying, man, I can't do it. Yes, you can. You, Christ in you. Some of you, you're, you're waiting to be in a, in, a, in, a, in a Bible study group, a small group, and you keep waiting for somebody else to pick up the mantle so that you can participate. Why can't you do it? But I can't do that. I, yes, you can. Yes, you can. By the way, I did jump. It wasn't a pretty sight, but I jumped. You know, sometimes you think you jump and you think you jump a long way, but I don't think I jumped very far. All I know is there were four or five kids on both sides that sort of come off the ground when I jumped. But for me to jump, I had to let go. And you know what letting go means? It means giving up control. Anybody struggle with control in your life out of fear of what, what's next? It wasn't just a step of faith. It was a leap of faith. And God says, let go, let me. That's a spirit-filled life. Live a life free from the control of the sinful nature. Look at what he says in verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Because of our new life in Christ, the spirit-filled life, we aren't obligated at all to pay any attention to the flesh. We can live in freedom by the spirit. And we can live victoriously. Victoriously. We can be victors over the flesh, through living in the Spirit. Look at what he says in verse 13. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. If we go back through the Scriptures, for those of you that know the Scriptures, they've been raised in church, if we were to think about a poster child for faith, it would have to be probably Abraham, right? Romans, is, Paul's already made, made mention of, of, of Abraham in Romans and and we see in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, he's called the father of our faith. But if you go back to the book of Genesis, here's God calling Abraham to leave his family and his possessions and to go to a place. He said, I'll show you. And he didn't give him any directions. He didn't give him a list or an agenda to follow. He just said, I want you to leave the comfort of your home and I want you to go. I want you to leave the security and that which is familiar and I want you to go. <laughs> the Bible said, Abraham... He obeyed. That's faith. That's what it is. See what faith is. Faith is hearing, hearing God speak and responding with that attitude of dependence on God and acting out obedience in God, to God. Faith is saying, I hear you, God. I don't want to do that. But I'll do it. That's what it is. I mean, that's what faith is, is. You hear from God. Okay, you got to sort of mull it over. That's what I've had seems to be the pattern in my life. God, I don't want to do that, God. Okay. All right, Lord, I'll, I'll do that. That's a spirit-filled life. Faith is saying, yes, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Abraham heard God speak and he responded in 
obedience. Do, do you hear f- from God? And in the mo- those moments that you hear from God, do you respond to Him in, in obedience? How many, oh my goodness, how many of us as professing believers are living defeated lives because we've gotten comfortable coming to church? And all of a sudden, that, that relationship with God that we're supposed to have has become nothing more than a ritual and a, root, a routine. You know, if I, if I look at the New Testament and I, and I look at the stories about Jesus and, and his relationship that he had with the disciples, what I see there is I don't see a list of, okay, Jesus, tell them, you do this, you do this, you do this, and don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. That's not what, that's not what the relationship was like. But Jim Bullock, what it says is Jesus said, come guys, come on, come on. Come follow me. Come hang out with me. Will you spend some time with me? Because see, the more time we spend with Jesus, the more like him we'll become. You take a group of people, you know this is true. I mean, how many times have you you see a group of girls together and they got the same language, same hair, same clothes? Yeah. Take a group of guys, same language, same, you know, same thing. When you hang out with Jesus, you don't want to become more like him. Just finishing up here, there in verse 14, we have a new family. For, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. We've been adopted into his family. Adopted into God's family as children of God, as sons of God. See, see, it's not, it wasn't unusual for slaves or servants or people outside the bloodline to be adopted into a, to a family to, to continue that family name or to continue the family interest. interest. And as God's children, we've been adopted into his family. In Acts chapter 17, we see that all mankind, that God is, God is, is the creator of all mankind, but only those who've trusted Christ are called his children. And it's the Holy Spirit that confirms that adoption. Verse, verse 16, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. It's what I said earlier. Some of you say, well, I don't know if I'm a Christian or not. Yes, you do. Because you know if you know. Because the Holy Spirit will confirm it. For those of you that are questioning, now the devil, he's going to say, now look, here, let me just, are you really sure? But the Holy Spirit is a seal to us. He's a seal. He confirms our adoption. And not only our adoption, but our inheritance. Look at there, verse 17. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must share in his suffering. It is God's child. Listen, man, we have an inheritance. I remember in the early days of heritage thinking to myself, God, how in the world, where's where's the money going to come from for us to be able to do? Where's that going to come from? And I remember being in the middle of the woods and I kept asking. I talked to God from time to time, just so you know. Yeah. And I'm asking myself, God, where's the... Where's the finances? Where's the funds going to come to, to do ministry? I, I mean, I, I, I hadn't, there was no plan. It wasn't like we had some plan. God just said, go. We said, okay, go. Okay, that's what you want you to do. We did. 
But I kept struggling, trying to think, God, where in the world? And I'm out in the middle of the stinking woods. I'm, I'm not on a road someplace, not on a path someplace. I'm in the woods and I look down and the sun is shining and there's a dime in the grass in the middle of the woods. And God spoke to me and he said, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Don't you think I can take care of you? What does our father own? What does your daddy own? Everything. That's a pretty doggone good investment or in inheritance, don't you think? Our daddy owns everything. And he, he makes that as heirs. He makes all of that available to us for those of us that are his children. You know, in the, in the story of the Wizard of Oz, the, the story, uh, the wizard didn't give the scarecrow, the lion, or the tin man anything that they didn't already have. Nothing. But when we come to Christ, there's something that happens. There's a new nature. There's a transformation that happens in our, in our life. Reminds me of the story of the little boy flying the kite one day in the breezy weather. And, you know, and he had a lot of string. And, and, and the more he let the, str the string out, the kite just went higher and higher and higher and higher. And finally, you couldn't even see the kite. It was so high. And he's sitting here fighting this string and some fellow walked by and he said, buddy, what are you doing? He said, I'm flying my kite. He said, man, you're not flying a kite. There's no kite up there. And he said, yes, there is, sir. He said, I can feel it. I can feel it. May not be able to, may not be able to see the Holy Spirit, but let me just say this right here. You can see the effects of the Holy Spirit. You can see it. There's evidence of it. There's evidence of God at work. That's what you guys have experienced this past weekend. Then there's evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. You just have to learn when you hear how to respond to it, how to respond. And that's what we're gonna do over the next few minutes in this time of invitation. And man, I know it's been a busy weekend and you guys are, and y'all are exhausted emotionally and physically and probably spiritually tired. But there's a time and an opportunity for us as believers to be able to respond because there's some of you that may need to come and you may just need to kneel and pray. There may be some of you that are here, teenagers or adults, you need somebody to talk to. If there was an adult that went and you participated and you feel comfortable to stand up here today, I want to, I want to make sure that the adults that went on their cheat have an opportunity to come and stand. I'd also like to ask for our overseers and any other staff that we may have, if you would come stand in this, in this open area up front. Come on, you don't have to wait on me, come on. I want you to come and stand. These are people that you can talk to. You may be here and you're wrestling with some things in life and you need somebody to pray with you. We want to give you that opportunity to come forward and, to, and just to tell them what's on your heart. Say, man, I need some prayer over this right here. I'm wrestling with this. Just because you're wrestling with sin does not mean you're, you're not a believer. It's not what that is. That's a lie from the devil. He would love to destroy, but you're no longer up underneath that. It no longer has control over you. It's part of the sanctification problem. Maybe there's something you just need to come and you need to pray. We want to give you that chance. There may be some of you in this room that you've never, ever come to know Jesus. And when we talk about understanding and there being a seal, man, you're struggling with that because in your life, you struggle to know if there's any confirmation that you are a believer and a follower of Jesus. Today is the opportunity for you to nail that down, to say, no more. I'm not going to do this any longer. I can't do it any longer. I can't, 
I can't fulfill all that that's on my plate. I just can't do it. I don't have the strength. I'm not able. God, today I want to give my life. I want to humble myself before you and I want to cry out to you, Jesus, will you save me? This is that, that opportunity for you to, during this song as they sing, for you to just to come and say, would you talk to me about Jesus? Because I don't know him, but today I want to place my faith in him. If that's you, you come. I'm going to turn it over to, to turn it over to Caleb and I'm going to just ask him for them to sing. If you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to be seated, you can be seated. But we're going to, this is an invitation talk time. This is an opportunity for us to respond. Father, I'm just praying that as we, as we walk through these last moments, the Spirit of God that has been in this place will remain. Help us not to be fearful or afraid. Help us to be bold as we declare our faith and our allegiance in you at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
process of becoming more like Christ because of Christ in us, the Holy Spirit in us that is, that is, that is changing us daily and day in and day out to become more like Him. There's a reason they call us heritage. That's the reason that name, there's a reason we're named that. This is one of those reasons. I ain't got a lot of years left. I want to be faithful in those years. Wouldn't it be incredible that God would do something in the days ahead that would just blow our minds? And it wouldn't be because of perfect people. It would just be because of faithful people. I don't know what that looks like, but I just want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of it. Michael, we love you and Chrissy and all of you that gave your time and your effort this weekend. Thank you. It was a sacrifice, I know. I know. Church, would you commit to be in prayer for our next generation, not just our teenagers, but our children and the work that's being gone? Would you do that? I pray that you will. I pray that constantly you're praying for teachers and administrators and coaches and those people that are interacting with our kids. Those are the people that have the biggest influence. Influence. 
I want us to have an influence in the lives of multiple people across all different fields so that Jesus' name will be lifted high. We're going to pray over you. Listen, if you're here and you still have yet to respond, there's something that's just on your heart. I'm going to give you that opportunity. I'll stand up here for a few minutes afterwards. But it wouldn't surprise me if there's somebody that still needs to make a choice, a decision whether or not to follow Jesus today. You want to give God a hand? One last thing, two last things. Number one, the devil's going to want to kick you in the mouth tomorrow, kids. Don't you let that happen. He may even want to kick you in the mouth before you get to school. It may be on your way home. You say, "Mm, no, I'm different. Jesus in me. You say, I can't do it. Jesus in me. Jesus in me. You remember that. Jesus in me. I'm being changed into the likeness of Christ, not because I'm a good person, not because I'm a disciplined person. I'm a better person. I'm not turning over a new leaf, but I'm a new person because of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me. You hold on to that. The second thing is probably the best news that you'll hear in the next 30 seconds. Mike wanted me to let you know he's got pizza for you guys downstairs. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege. Thank you for Brooke and Chris and these that have shared their talents and gifts with our students this past weekend. It's been a great time. But Father, now the work begins. Help us to be faithful laborers. Thank you for the privilege of being your hands and feet, your ambassadors to this world in which we live. Use us now as we walk out these doors to make a difference. That's what I pray. And Lord, in those moments and times when we feel the struggle coming on, help us to go, no, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, I'm a child of the king. My daddy owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I am part of God's family. And the Holy Spirit is at work in my life. Bless us now. Jesus, we give you praise in your name. Amen.